Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hi, and welcome back to our morning Bible study. Just wanted to, we're, we're actually excited that we're back here with each other and with everybody else that's tuning in to discuss the Word. So, before we get to it, let's open up in prayer. All right. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you're doing. We just thank you that you're more than enough. You're bigger than every situation and any circumstance, Lord, and there's nothing too hard for you. We call you faithful and able to keep and carry out and fulfill every promise that you've made to us, Lord God. You're able to keep the world and everything in it, Lord God. We just thank you and we cast our cares on you right now, Jesus. And we don't let anything come between you and us. We forgive Lord God, as you've commanded us to, because it's important to you. And we let others go that have offended us, Lord. And we ask you just to cleanse our conscience from dead works and keep our minds clear and focused on you. We thank you, Lord. Um, cause us to understand your word and to hear from you in a more clear and different way today. And we thank you, Lord, for spending this time with us and sharing your love and your life, Jesus, with us. We love you, we thank you, and we glorify your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's continue with First Samuel, chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Who would like to read the first 10 verses? I will. All right, sir. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out of the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For he did call me. That Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lay down, and it shall, and shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, down, went and laid down his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called out as he had the time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Okay, before we get into it, uh, I want to ask a question. So in verse 1, it says that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And then down in verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So how do you understand that? How can both things occur? How can he both minister to the Lord but yet he does not yet know the Lord. Well, with ministering to the Lord, when he said that he did not yet know the Lord, that was he didn't know his voice just yet. He wasn't aware of him calling like um, a personal relationship. Like when we were little, when the Lord was talking to us, it sounded like mommy talking or you, or you guys whistled for us when we weren't listening. But that's what it was for Samuel. He knew who God was and what he was like, but he didn't have a personal relationship with him yet where he would be able to hear his voice and know that it was the Lord speaking. It still sounded like 
somebody else to him. So. Okay. Because in the Bible, that is also considered ministering, not necessarily lighting the incense, but going about the daily tasks that are still needed. And culturally at the time, because at the age of 12, then men were allowed to read a scripture from the Torah as to write a passage. But judging from the time frame, Samuel wasn't yet 12, so he couldn't have read from the scriptures to actually understand them. He was relying on what he's seen and observed and heard from the everyday proceedings. So there's a difference from tending to the everyday needs and understanding how and what is needed to function and run the tabernacle versus actually knowing the Lord. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Go ahead, sir. Just speak up, all right? So, who showed me that when it said Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and that he had not, not yet known that? It just, Lord made me not remember, but he brought to my attention about how a sinner can tell who the, what the Lord is. So, even though they're not technically doors, they're not technically children of the Lord. They're not technically following the Lord. Well, not technically, they're not following the Lord. So the Lord showed me that mm -hmm. just with Samuel and how Kyla's telling that that he was going about the everyday needs, but he hadn't yet recognized the Lord. Lord is showing that Samuel was, he knew that the Lord had said that, so he went about doing it, but when the Lord actually called to him, he didn't recognize it. Mm -hmm. So are you saying it's so much a, like King Nebuchadnezzar, he could acknowledge that God was God, but he still didn't follow him, and he could understand and see when God was at work versus actually knowing him personally. Is that what you meant? What do you mean then? So explain, sir. So, there was one time, not his one time, there was a man, there, and another guy, he was making songs within the man, even though he wasn't the Lord, he could still call out what the man was doing, saying, no, that's not the Lord. Okay, well that's on the lines of discernment, which comes from the Holy Spirit. But I think what I'm getting at here is, and you guys already brought this out, and by all means, feel free to comment, correct me <laughs> if need so, but it's about how we in our own lives can go about the daily things. We can go to church, we can be a, a part of whatever, uh, different programs within the church or church building i should say and while that's good it's it's admirable it's honorable those traditions those religious traditions cannot substitute or are not a substitute for a true actual personal intimate and deep relationship with the lord and we see that here, that even though Samuel, yes, was doing that, and he was learning, he was growing, and yes, the things that he was supposed to do and function, and being raised up to be a priest, that he still didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. So you could argue that, in effect, he was going through the motions. That wasn't his heart's intent, no. He was doing what he was taught to do. But... We are to teach how to have a, a true relationship with the Lord. All right? We all have here have a relationship. 
And if we say something or do something, or if we're walking down the hall, you know by our footsteps, by our voice, the tone, the rate, the inflection, who it is. Right? We don't even have to say anything. You know, oh, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's, and vice versa. We know which one of you it is. Just by the way you walk. Why? Because we know each other. We have a true relationship. We've spent time together to develop that relationship, to work on to become more close so that we know everything about each other. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? Okay. Anybody else have any other comments or anything else that the Lord has ministered to them? about this section. I do. Please. I see um, Samuel starting, this is what he knew, right? Like when you come to a house, you come in the door, but then eventually, if you are a guest, I mean, you know, if you're welcomed in or you're home, you come in, you take your shoes off, then you come more into the house and experience different things. And sometimes our, our relationship with the Lord is like that. We learn him by customs right we learn the first things by learning how to do this you learn how to read your bible you learn how to go to church you learn how to do um small things i don't even know i don't think eli knew exactly what to do with samuel as far as how to teach him because he wasn't of the lineage right there was one and then the second being he was a child and like kyla pointed out you're not supposed to well, you can, you can grow up, as it were. You were not dedicated for service until you were a man, or considered a man. Right, Yes. And, um, According to customs and traditions. Sure. But even, even if he was bar mitzvah, even if he reached, had reached that age, he wasn't a Levite from what we know so far. He wasn't in the lineage. That should have been Eli's household coming up and moving into those things. So that's, a, that's interesting. But back to the bigger plan of just how God is, he's okay with us coming in the door, right, mm-hmm. and starting where we are. But he always asks for us to come up higher, come up to him, come up more into the things of God. And when it was, when he was ready and the Lord's will and Samuel and everything was prepared, he started to call out to him, to teach him, hey son, there's deeper, there's more. You guys have often come up the stairs, mommy, dad, did you call us? And we're like, no. <laughs> and then you come right back and you go, did you, wait, you called us, did you Did you call for us? And we're like, no. And what do we tell you? We check, check with, with the Lord. Lord. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. We're not even thinking about you guys coming up or coming to find us. So you see who God is here, and he does similar things with all of his children. He's like, okay, you guys have been taught. You, you learned the ropes, if you will. You've been taught the, the basic things. You know, I'm sure Samuel learned, oh, when you go in here, you have to wear this kind of garment. These are the rules. That behind the door is this over there, and... He got to sit and hear the word if, if they were teaching at that time and reading from um, Moses' tablets and whatnot. There were still certain places he couldn't go because he wasn't the high priest, right? He, there were still things that he couldn't do, but he still learned the basics of what was supposed to go on, and, and that's okay. Get introduced to the Lord. Get to know him, but don't be satisfied there. Mm-hmm. If he was a 35, 40-year-old man still hanging out around the door of the relationship with the Lord, that'd be a little bit from the time you were a child to that long, you're still just hanging around the door. There's more. And you see, God didn't wait until he was super old to start calling him. He calls out to us while we're young and early. So start in your own time going, here I am, Lord, and listening to him and carrying out what he has to say. And you guys do that already. You, are, you hear the voice of the Lord. But fine-tune it even more, okay? Because you have a whole lifetime to master hearing from the Lord. 
and knowing what it means and how to apply the guidance that he gives you or they follow the instructions that he's providing for you. Don't take it as something that you can't ever, I just don't know when it's going to happen or what to do and you never even develop in that as well. Continue to mature in the things of God. Okay, well, let's. You have something, Ella? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can we get someone to volunteer to read 11, verses 11 through 14? I will. Okay. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. How oh. in verse 14, especially says there, Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. This is very significant. How do you understand the significance of that that statement? I think so I believe in in Exodus through Deuteronomy that the Lord told them to atone for the people's sins. Mm-hmm. So when Lily was reading that, the person that registered to me was that they were that nothing could save them. Yep, that's true. Anyone else? No. Animal sacrifice. We should be specific for that because Jesus came and he covered all sins. So the atonement with the animals would not cover the iniquity of Eli's household, but Jesus would. He would be able to. Uh, I would say erase the debt from the board, if you will, since he came to cover all. And he never said, I came to come cover all except Eli and his household or except uh, so-and-so in their household. He came to save all. So from what that is, if they were doing sacrifices for bulls, it would never cover it. But Jesus, because he was the final sacrificial lamb and his blood could do it, it would cover. Okay. It's a bit ironic, like Promise mentioned, you're supposed to offer sacrifices for atonement for everybody else's sin, but they could not offer sacrifices for themselves. And it also goes to how Eli's sons tainted all the sacrifices. Everything that was supposed to help atone for other people is kind of like reaping what you sow. You messed everybody else's sacrifice up. Well, now none of yours will ever count. I help you. Mm-hmm. Um, You're gonna say something, honey. Yes. So I want to address something that you said, Layla. Um, so yes, the blood of Jesus is all powerful. There's nothing that it can't do. However, mm-hmm. you have to choose to have your sins brought under the blood of Jesus. Coming into a relationship with Him is our choice, right? Yes. And I can't make that choice for you. You can't make that choice for me. It is an individual thing. So keeping that in mind, it reminds me of Exodus 34. And it's when Moses <clears throat> excuse me, said to the Lord, if I found favor in your, sh- your sight, show me your glory. And um, when the Lord revealed himself, he made a statement and, de- and a declaration about who he is. And it's very important because it's not what someone else said about him. It's who he said he is. Himself, And I'm just going to read it to you really quickly. This is Exodus 34, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Don't get scared by that. 
what he's saying here is that he is a good God, number one, and he is forgiving. He will forgive you of all your sins when you come to him with a pure heart and repent. Not when you, it's not, well, I'm just going to sin and God's going to forgive me. That falls under by no means clearing the guilty. If someone is doing wickedly and continues to do wickedly, especially when they know better, there's no covering for them. Because you have to repent, correct? Yes. And repentance is not in words, but it's where? In the deed and in truth. It's in your inward yeah, man. Exactly. Right? And, well, and your deeds that. do follow it, right? And the truth, that's, God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you can say all you want, God, yep, yep, you know, this, this, that, and the other, but God is looking directly at your heart, and he understands your motives. So for someone who does not repent of their sins... You know, you're not going to just cover it over and offer sacrifice and that's going to be good when you're not repentant of your sins, when you have no intentions of re repenting or being sorrowful about it. You instead intend to do it and continue therein. So no, for that one, he says, by no means clearing the guilty and visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation means it doesn't matter how old you get. <laughs> he does not forget. If you leave iniquity, like you um, mentioned was it last week when we were discussing this? If you live wickedly your whole life and then you turn and you die, you are going to heaven, right? But if yeah. you live righteously and then you turn wickedly and you die in that sin, you are going to hell. Doesn't matter your age. Well, it was a long time ago. No. A day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day with the Lord. So it doesn't matter about how old you get. You still have to bring that under the blood of Jesus Christ. You still have to repent from a true heart and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And here, they don't have Jesus fully revealed to them as the Lamb of God, right? And how God desired that carried out. But they still knew you still have to come and cleanse yourself and what that means to them. It's not about washing on the outside. It was about coming with your heart towards the Lord. And the main people that knew that were the high priests, were the, the Levitical family. Right, and the, the priesthood. priesthood. Yes. And we, the, thing, the points that you brought up about if we are rejecting the truth, willfully being disobedient, mm -hmm. you know, there doesn't rem remain a sacrifice right. for that. Uh, we literally just went over that in First Samuel 2, verse 25. It says, If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? And then this is talking about Eli's sons, and says, nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father, and the, because the Lord desired to kill them. We see that same thing expressed in uh, Hebrews, mm -hmm. where it says, uh, Hebrews 6, 4, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened or come to the truth, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and then in verse 6, and then have fallen away to be restored again to repentance because they themselves are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to open shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, he, and Paul says it again in Hebrews 10, 26. If we deliberately go on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no further sacrifice for sin remains only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume all adversaries. So this is what is being discussed here with uh, Eli. Mm -hmm. Or concerning him. Concerning him. Mm -hmm. He's looking at eternity separated from the Lord in hell. Yeah, And it's not that God wanted that. This not is, at all. Instead, it, this is the choice that Eli and his sons and his children made. Yes. We, God gives us the right to choose. We have the right to choose him or to not choose him. And they chose against the Lord. So this is what the outcome will be. So it's not God's desire because we see in John 3.16, right? Yes. And he doesn't, um, another verse is he doesn't wish that any should perish, but exactly. all should come to repentance and receive everlasting life. So that's not God's desire. He didn't set them up. You know, he didn't tell them to do that. He didn't force them. But this is their choice. And the Lord says that each of us will receive 
based on our own actions. So, mm-hmm. cannot leave un- unrepented sin, cannot willfully sin, and especially when we know who God is. He wasn't talking to unbelievers. He was talking to people that knew him. People that, and, or that claimed to know him. That, that knew his ways and his customs. And, and were teaching others how to walk in them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're supposed to have been doing that. Which I think is uh, the other aspect, the second part of why it's significant. We just went over the first. But the second part is, is this. Uh, where in, in verse 11 it says, I will do something in Israel which will, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I think it's the, the human perspective. No one would expect, in the natural that is, judgment against the house of a, uh, we'll say, a, a man or woman of God. In who natural, seem, who natural seems sentence. to be on the outside exactly. a man or woman of God. The, the appearance, mm-hmm. the physical appearance. They seem to be doing all the right things. It sounds like what they're saying is the right thing. But again, the Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart, whether it is true mm-hmm. and towards him, or it is rebellious and against him. So, which is why, and this is in Isaiah 11, uh, 2 and 3, but we're not to judge by what our eyes see or what our ears hear. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to take the Holy Spirit in everything. Because again, the Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. He knows what is actually true. Mm-hmm. So if we bring it all before him, he'll tell us exactly what it is, regardless of what we in the natural see or hear or think or mm-hmm. whatever. The Lord's got it. He knows. He knows the deeper things. We then have a, an inherent responsibility to come into alignment with him, with his thoughts, his ways, and what he says about it. Mm-hmm. But also understanding his heart, like his exactly. motivations, why he's doing the things that he's doing. Because it's possible for us to know him, to come to the, no- the full knowledge of God. He does things, right, and, and he'll let us know, okay, there's, there's spiritual laws in action. Yeah. That it doesn't matter who you are, you cannot, um, they are just what they are. And he teaches us how to understand, I'll, I call it, I say him, but I also mean the things, the true things of the spiritual world around us. And how it cooperates with the natural world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So, um, and understanding his character will help you see when he goes, okay, this situation, it's actually X, Y, Z. And then you can go, okay, well, why? And he'll tell you the deeper things so that you have full understanding and no one can come and corrupt your thought process or go, no, that's Jesus over there. And he's like, no, (laughs) you know me. You know, and he'll remind you of the scriptures when he says, when people say that he's here he is over there, don't go. Don't go. He'll remind you of those things, and you will not be duped and drawn away from him. Amen. But instead, you'll be steadfast and immovable. Okay, anyone else have any other comments or thoughts they want to share? All right. Can we get a volunteer to read... Uh, the next set of verses through 18, please. I'll read. All right, sir. So Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me yet. Of all the things that he said to you. The Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Mm-hmm. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does everybody, how does everybody understand what happened there? Because there's a lot, there's a lot in there. So, what's the Holy Spirit ministering to you? to share, to, to discuss. Like in 
verse 17 when he said, he was talking to Samuel and asking what the Lord said and was saying that if he tried to hide anything from him, he was going to get that. And more so, it reminded me of when he was saying, like when he was talking to the prophets, if he did not go tell the person what the Lord fully said and keep stuff back, you're not going to make it to heaven. I can see that here. And I also think Eli was also trying to gauge because he, the man of God already said what was going to happen to him, but he was, I'd say, still hoping for that he was going to get some mercy. So he was asking so that he was, like, trying to gauge it, like how people try to gauge something. If I do this, this would happen. He was trying to gauge what was going to happen to him and his sons because he knew it was wrong to do, but he... He had hope in the wrong thing. It, Explain. What do you mean by hope in the wrong thing? Because he was hoping that the Lord would give him mercy without him having to go repent. Instead of repenting, he just sat there hoping he got the lesser end of judgment. You know what I mean? I mean, like, he got mercy. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, honey. You know what I mean. No. You know what I mean. Well, yes and no. But Tell us in we're words. Asking you to explain it. Tell us in words what you mean. He was hoping to get mercy and not having getting, not getting charged with the sins that he did. He was hoping that the Lord would give him mercy and let him go to heaven. But and I also see here he was, uh, I'd say, afraid. That's why he asked for the whole thing so so it wasn't left in mystery. He was trying to see the whole picture, but not from a godly standpoint. He was trying to say, "Okay, does my skin get saved?" Okay, does it so not? so you're trying to say he was he was going, "Okay, what did God say now?" So like, how are we doing? Yes. Did, did, did it work? Did something go? What did mommy dad say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> are we still gonna get in trouble? <laughs> yes. You're in trouble. That sounds familiar, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you bring up some good points. And I, I think the, the key for what you're saying also lies in verse 1 of chapter 3, right? It says, uh, the second half of the verse says, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Well, we also have to look at the why. Or the, the possible why. And that is, was anybody truly listening to the Lord? No. Especially within well, what was supposed to, with the priesthood, the people that were supposed to be there ministering to the Lord. Were they listening for him and what he said was saying, instructing them, commanding them to do? Because I think that's significant. If it's rare, right? Now you're, I'll say you're at the the whim, if you will, it's not of a person, but of the Lord, but who hears from the Lord? And yes, it's also a natural thing to want to now hear from that person. You're really hearing from the Lord through that person. But we want to be get, we want knowledge and insight into things and situations in, in our own life, or that can affect us. It just so happens that in this case, it comes out of a child. But yeah, he wanted to know. But yes, it was fear. But the fear is able to set in and get a foothold. Why? Because it denotes that there was a, a lack of submission, lack of humility and humbling yourself to bring yourself into submission to follow the Lord and what he says. But also, if we're not going to listen to the Lord, he's not obligated to talk to us. If he's not speaking to us, it's probably because we've rejected something he has said. We've chosen, or to phrase another way, we've chosen not to listen to him. Now, we see that contrasted, if you will, to the beginning of the chapter where Samuel was listening. He didn't necessarily know the right way to go about you know, doing it or what to say, if you will, in his interaction with the Lord. But this is someone who was willing to listen. Right, which which comes back from 
in chapter at the end of chapter two and verse thirty-five, right? Where he says, "I'll raise up a, for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I'll build for him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever." Right. So it already denotes Samuel's heart, his character was to serve the Lord. Yes, there is a a growth that that has to happen, a maturing in the relationship and in the his relationship with the Lord and the things of the Lord, his nature, his character. But there was a willingness to do so. Where we have here, again, contrasted, Eli, who has the position, he's already been blessed by the Lord to serve and to lead the Lord's people in the Lord's ways what is in the Lord's heart and in the Lord's mind but has chosen not to do so any comments? Um, any questions? I just while you're getting your thoughts I wanted to add to that what does it mean to listen to the Lord Samuel's heart was open to God Eli's heart, because he was resisting him, was closed. You know, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears and opens, I will come in and sup with him. And not only will Jesus come in, but the Father and the Holy Spirit will come with them as well. So when the Lord calls to you, when he says, hey, son, hey, daughter, don't go that way. Right? The person that resists him hardens their heart, because how can you ignore the, the, the draw of the Lord? except that you harden your heart and refuse him, right? Yes. And the person that gains more from God is the one that opens their heart and allows him to come in and endeavors to do whatever it is that he's guiding them towards. So when you go, I know God, shut up, stop talking to me, and then you harden down and go, I know you told me to do this, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ignore it. It becomes harder and harder and harder and harder to hear the voice of the Lord. It becomes smaller and smaller and quieter that you, to the point that you don't even hear it anymore. So that lets you know that, that the area was in such a state of rebellion and resistance to God that nobody was hearing from the Lord on a regular basis. We should be hearing his voice constantly throughout our day. Const I mean, like at every turn, you should always hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Even if he's, even if it's just bubbling up and go, I love you. Exactly. Yep, you're doing okay. You're doing right. Keep going. But he's always here. He's always speaking. He's always got some information for for us, because he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. You can't counsel me on what to say as I go if you're not there. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's always an ever present help. Exactly. He's um, always with us. But at the same time. That being said, if we're always together, how is it that we're going to go about our day and never talk with the Lord? If, if you and I are hanging out, how are we going to go through anything in the day and not have a conversation about it? And if that's how we are here in the natural, how much more so should it be with the Lord? If I want to learn his thoughts, his ways, I should be asking him. We should be having conversations throughout the day, not just when we, we want something or feel we have need of something. Not saying there aren't times where we truly need, have needs or, or truly want something, but just throughout the day, right? Those conversations are not small and trivial. There is much insight given, but it also strengthens the relationship where, well, yes, this was the beginning of Samuel's, but there is the other aspect, too, of the thing that the Lord first revealed to him that he was then asked to, to give. He clearly understood the full weight of what the Lord was saying. What was not just implied, but what the Lord stated he was going to do and what that meant. Well, in this case, for Eli and his household, which is why he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. It wasn't an easy thing that Samuel was to share or to bring. 
So, but in so doing, he had, in order to overcome, in order to be obedient to the Lord, he had to bring himself into alignment and in faith trust the Lord. I mean, this is a child. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. But it also shows here, with just to backtrack a little bit, with what we were saying about listening to the Lord, there is the other aspect of, uh, yes, the willingness, but also um, I lost my train of thought. Can't be that important. Then. <laughs> it escaped me. The willingness to obey, but then the actual carrying it out? Yes, there is the carrying it out piece. Oh, this is what I was going to say. <laughs> a, a comment I said earlier. Samuel was a child. He had no position, if you will, no true position. He just served in the temple. Eli had the position. He was the high priest. But he wasn't hearing from the Lord. Further proof that the Lord is no respecter of persons. He's just searching for a willing heart to listen to him and to come into alignment with his ways. That's something that I think we all should take note of. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether a person has a, a title, a position, a certification or qualification in their life that distinguishes them. It's who the Lord says and certifies, who the Lord qualifies, mm-hmm. who the Lord distinguishes, and who the Lord sets in places or positions of influence, of power, of authority, is what makes someone significant, is what carries weight. It's who the Lord co-signs on. Say something, honey? Uh, yes. Um, you know, the Bible talks about the, lo- the eyes of the Lord searching throughout the whole earth, um, looking for someone whose heart is loyal towards Him, someone that w- will believe Him. And um, have demonstrate faith towards God so God can act on their behalf. And, you know, and Eli, instead of trusting that the Lord would make his house what it should be and his name, you know, his lineage and his heritage continue and endure, he tried to do it on his own by winking his eye at sin and allowing things to go on to the detriment and the harm of what God desired. And it hurt him in the long run. He tried to save his own life and it ended up costing him. So... um, Also, you know, when I was, as I look at these verses, the section of verse 17 and 18, yes, he did want to know. So it reminds me that first God comes to talk to you first. Exactly. Before he sent the prophet from verse, uh, or the man of God from verse, or chapter 2, before he sent that man, he called out to Eli himself. So if God has to send someone else to go, hey, um, (laughs) what's going on here? That means that you've ignored him because he comes to you first. Because that's the fastest opportunity that you have to correct yourself. But if you have to wait for me to journey from, you know, six miles down the road to come find you on a day that's opportune, right, when God can just talk to you himself, that's what he does. And that's, that's guidance for all of you. He comes to you first. He comes to us first to go, hey. I don't like that. It might be in the form of a, you know, like a little uh, tinge from the Holy Spirit. Like, that just doesn't feel right. That's just, that's not right for me to do that. Don't overrule that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit rules in our heart like an umpire. Let the peace of God, I'm sorry, the peace of God rule in your heart as an umpire. Well, we know peace only comes from the Lord. So that's the Holy Spirit carrying that out in us. But if you go, you're unsettled by what you're about to do, don't do it. Don't push over that feeling because that's the Holy Spirit telling you no. How many times did Eli go and have to cleanse himself to offer the, the sacrifices? How many times did he have time to spend with the Lord in the, the Holy of Holies in the back part that God said, hey, stop. That's not right. Don't do that. And he didn't even need 
per se, to see that the moment he saw his sons doing what they were doing, he knew it wasn't right. So don't overrule that correction that comes. You listen first. But by the time someone else comes, things are getting pretty rough. So he talks first to you. Be listening to his voice and be obedient. But also I see the, I feel sorry for Eli when he said in verse 18, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That's a repentance in a way and a, a humility coming on going, okay, you're right about that, God. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, it was too late. He had backed he had himself into a corner. Yeah. But the sin, we mentioned this last week as well, um, how the Lord, when he said to Abraham, your descendants are going to go into uh, slavery and bondage for 400 years because the sin of, sin of the Amorites is not yet full. There's a meter. <laughs> right? When sin brings forth, reaches its fullness, fullness, it brings forth death. So that tells you there's a measurement. So sometimes you can paint yourself into a corner, send yourself into a corner, and doing particular things that causes swift, that's just the end, and your natural life is cut off, or <clears throat> something drastic happens. Don't do that. Don't, don't try to fill that measure up, okay? Yes. I know that sounds odd and a little bit strange, but that's a process, right? It kind of references pregnancy when we're talking about sin. Will you look that scripture up for me, Layla? Um, each man, when he's tempted, is drawn away by his own lust. Well, also, with what you were saying, it goes into to Matthew 18, uh, 15 is where it begins. But it says, if your brother sins against you, go and confront him privately. Which then we see how in this, or we will see how the Lord doesn't violate his own word. Mm -hmm. It says, go and conf confront him privately. In this case, the Lord was already trying to talk to Eli, mm -hmm. but he wasn't listening. And then he says, if he listens to you, you want him over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, mm -hmm. so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses and then in verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, regard him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So in other words, someone who has chosen not to follow the Lord, to resist him, to re has rejected him, and essentially is a son of the devil. So this is significant. It shows God's perspective on willful rebellion. Where is it? It's in James 1, 14, and you can read 14 and 15. But starting at 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So you see that process. Mm -hmm. There is a, a growth that happens, a, a transition from just a desire and sin. Never, It's not a good desire that morphs into sin. No, it's an evil desire, a desire that we should not be entertaining. Mm -hmm. And then when the opportunity becomes, now you're like, oh, there's my chance to get this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing or should have, right? And then... It's like birth. It, it conceives, and we know it starts from two little parts doing together that become one cell, right? And then those cells multiply and multiply until it becomes something totally different than what it started out. Like visually, these things are totally different than what eventually comes forth from the womb. So sin, you might think, oh, it's just a little bit of this over here. But when it reaches its fullness... It brings forth death. So that's a process. It goes from little, very tiny, that you can't even see it with the naked eye, right? To something that's good-sized and in your face, and there it is. To something, young man? With Charles? Oh. I was like, 
that was a really good talk to talk about what Dad was saying about how at the time no it was rare that everybody rare that they that the Lord talked to people. You guys will don't flip with me. It's Judges twenty five, I'll read the second half of it. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. If you go back to um when Samuel was giving his prophecy and Eli wanted to know about it, you can see how you can see how these two correlate because he was saying Samuel didn't hear from the Lord because he tried to go out and do it himself. So he had to have somebody else come you mean in. Eli? I said Eli, right? No. <laughs> Samuel. Well, that's, okay. that's okay. We know what you meant. Go ahead and correct it to Eli. Eli. Okay. But he got told multiple times by men of God what he should have been doing, and he hardened his heart. Like with the first one, if he had truly repented right then, not, not none of this, but it would still have happened. But the Lord wouldn't have had to send Samuel to Eli. He furthered backed himself into the corner, like Mommy said, when he decided to harden his heart against it. And maybe if I just think hard enough and my shields are hard enough, I won't have this any of this happen, even though it's still going to happen no matter what happened. Well, no, well, because there's always the opportunity, until there isn't, to humble them yourself, come back into submission, and repent, right? Yes. Uh, until, like we were just reading... Uh, until there, until that opportunity, that option is not an option anymore. Oh, so yeah. In other words, something has been pushed to the point of it has to be dealt with, mm-hmm. right? And now consequences are you inevitable. S- you've set things into motion that you cannot stop. Now, remember this. Each man receives from the Lord based on his own works. So Eli did not get in trouble because his, sin- his sons were doing wrong. He got in trouble because he would not restrain them, right? You read that in verse yes. 13. He did not restrain them, rebuke them, remove them, and protect what God gave him to protect. He would not keep the word of God. So that's why Eli got in trouble. His sons, so if Eli had repented at any point when God had called out to him, he could have removed himself from the situation, Yes. right? Now, he couldn't have pulled the sons out of there because I can't keep you. In that way, when you're, especially when you're an adult, you're making your own choices. Each man receives from the Lord based on their own. Yes, not from their sin, but he could have removed them from their position in order to not corrupt everything else that they touched. Right. But when the Lord spoke, this is what's going on. Eli was there because of Eli's own failure to act. He was in the scenario and the situation because of his own failure to act. His sons were in there because of their own individual wickedness. Mm Mm-hmm. Hophni wasn't in there because of Phineas. No, he was in there because of himself. Phineas was there because of himself, right? And they just happened yes. to be sharing this in this together, but each one was there because of their own actions. So Eli could have removed himself from this judgment if he had repented and said, hey, guys, sorry, going to have to sit you down. Lord, I'm sorry. I should have done this sooner, and I didn't. Exactly. But forgive me. I'm not honoring my sons more than I honor you. Boys, you got to go. Okay? He could have done that at any point because the scripture that you referenced last week, if you live wickedly your whole life, but yet you turn and do righteously and you die in your righteousness, right? Yes. God said, I'm very fair. <laughs> I'm very plain. This was a- They'll receive salvation. They're, they're yeah, will, that's, all that, their sins will be forgiven was, if they turn. This was stated in an instance. They were going, God, you're not fair. You're not fair. And he said, no, you are not fair. I'm fair. You're not fair. So and if, likewise, if somebody does righteously this whole way, and then yet they turn and begin to do wickedly, and they die in their wickedness, they are going to hell. They're not going to make it. So Eli had the opportunity to at least remove himself from this judgment or mm-hmm. get a lesser portion because he had still released, you know, spiritual laws are in motion now, right? Yes. But he could have removed himself from this. Exactly. But then, so if we could read verses 19 through 21 real quick, um, just because it goes off something you said. Okay, so Samuel grew, 
and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So you would talk about spiritual laws and growing. This applies for both righteousness just as much as it does wickedness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We see that here, that Samuel grew not just in the physical sense, but it said the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. That, that is mm -hmm. extremely important mm -hmm. and, and significant, something that we should note. Because, yes, yeah, Samuel's heart was to, uh, like it says, we read it in chapter 2, grow and know the Lord's thoughts and the Lord's ways, mm -hmm. his heart and his mind. This is exactly how it's stated here in this version. But also, how is it that none of his words are able to fall to the ground? The answer is very simple. He said what the Lord said to say. Mm -hmm. All right, And that's the same thing that you see stated about Jesus. That he said, I wouldn't even come to you except the Lord sent me. But I only say what he says to say and I only do what he says to do or what mm -hmm. he does. It's a, the pattern example for all of us. You see it again played out here mm -hmm. with Samuel. That's for all of us. Mm -hmm. We should never minister out of the flesh. The Lord knows the, the secret things. He knows the thoughts and intentions of the mm -hmm. heart. He knows what to say or what we to have us do in any situation in order to achieve what he wants to, what he plans, what he purposes in the situation. So if we want, truly want to be effective at ministering, yes, to the Lord, but also to his people, say what he says to say. Do what he does, or what he says for us to do, tells us to do. Mm -hmm. It's a, a pattern example and a lesson for all of us. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I don't talk on my own initiative. He said, I didn't talk on my own initiative, meaning who started it? Who started the words that are getting ready to come out of my mouth? So Samuel, Jesus, didn't go around making up what they wanted to say because they wanted to have something to say. Instead, the Holy Spirit prompted the words coming forth from them. So that, that makes it very clear how, we, how can this happen or how we should go about as people who hear from God. Not, I'm going to come say, say a word to you because I want to say a word to you. I'm just making this up. No, no. It should start from the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. And then you yield and obey and let the words flow through you. And when he stops, you stop. Okay? When he starts, you start. And nothing outside of that. Not adding to it and not taking away from it. Okay? All right. Yes. And be, but also because the Lord didn't let any of his words fall to the ground, that is how the people knew that he'd been established. He wasn't seeking his own glory his own um, I'll say reverence or look at me I have this position let the Lord establish him but just mm -hmm. walking in obedience to him mm -hmm. alright well, let's, let's close in prayer okay. want to close in prayer sir? I will okay. alright Allowing us to understand your word and just helping us to know your voice and know and call and being able to understand and do what you ask us to do. God, I thank you for giving people the ability to discern things and to know when you speak and to when you say something at the first time they're able to listen. Okay, mm -hmm. I also just thank you for this Bible study and making it where everybody can understand what you're saying. New Jesus, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we're looking forward to the next time we get together. God bless.
for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.